And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello everybody and welcome to episode number 275 of Radio Free Asgard. We're the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin and a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. Welcome along to the show. And as of yesterday, uh, we have seen Guardians of the Galaxy 2. So yeah, so what do we think of it? Well, I'm not going to give away too much because I know there's people out there who probably still haven't seen it. But I thought that the movie was a lot of fun. And after much consideration, after thinking about it a lot, I've decided that I like the second one better than the first one. I think maybe it's because there's a little bit more fan service. It's, uh, it's really cool that they introduce some characters from the, uh, the original Guardians. I mean, I mean, obviously Yondu was in the first one, but we actually do see some of the uh, characters, not that they're named or anything, but possibly characters from the original Guardians of the Galaxy that, that appear. Um, I'm not sure really how they would handle it because, you know, the original Guardians of the Galaxy takes place in the far distant future. Uh, and in, in this case, this doesn't. So uh, there, there are some interesting things about it. There are some very interesting inclusions among the main characters and, and a revelation that is way outside of anything the comics did. Um, but you know what? Like, like I say, the, the cinematic universe is kind of its own thing. And it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think the next time we're going to be seeing Guardians of the Galaxy, these characters is going to be in uh, the next Avengers movie. So that ought to be interesting. Overall, though, you know, it, it, it's not my favorite of the Marvel movies, but it's a pretty good one. I would say I still like Ant-Man more, um, and and as well as uh, the first Thor movie I like a little more. But uh, yeah, it's by far from the worst, and it was definitely a lot of fun. And yeah, so y'all should check it out. All right, so... We are going to be shifting gears a little bit this week. And again, yeah, we a couple of people was like, no more DC Hercules. Okay, well, I've listened to you folks, and we're not going to be covering DC Hercules for a while. But I did want to dip back into a well that I think another branch of our listenership is going to go, oh, no. Um, but it has been over a year since we've covered any of the female Thor stuff. So I'm going to cover a few issues of her current series, Mighty Thor. And of course, we're going to be starting this week with episode number one. And we'll be starting with that right after this. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. You'll behold in breathless wonder, the God of thunder, Mighty Thor. Indeed. And this week, we we're looking at the Mighty Thor number one. And it, it, trust me when I say it's not my first choice, but it is something that we haven't covered for a very long time. In fact, the last time we covered a Girl Thor issue was back in 2015. So, 
you you do the math. I mean, obviously we had a little break in there, but <laughs> yeah, we do need to cover it. We need to cover some of the stuff. So I don't know how many issues we're going to do, but uh, we're going to do a few. And uh, we're going to open up with this beautiful fold-out cover. Now, this is a amazing cover here by Russell Dowderman. And it shows, uh, you know, Thor, female Thor, and just front and center. And then below her, standing on this big sort of rock thing, we have a Jane Foster in her, you know, hospital duds. And you know, when I say hospital duds, I mean her patient duds, not, not her doctor duds. And, of course, she's bald and, you know, and is all cancerous and stuff. And we have a truly uh, impressive collage of various enemies and allies of Thor. Uh, we see, um, kind of going to go uh, anti-clockwise, uh, we have um, Angela, um, otherwise known as the ruler of Krapheim. We have a Rosalind, uh, whatever the the, the, uh, the <laughs> Rosalind, whatever her name is, the agent of Shield, that was in charge of the uh, Roxon stuff. We have uh, one of Odin's ravens. We've got Hercules. We've got a giant head of Odin, kind of looming ominously in the background, looking angry. We've got, uh, I believe that's Carnilla with a fancy new headdress. We've got Malekith, and Malekith's hair is doing something weird, it's kind of like being really tenderly and reaching out and being all all goopy, which uh, reminds one a lot of Gore the God Butcher. Um, don't know if there's supposed to be a connection there or not. Uh, we've got Beta Ray Bill. We've got the Enchantress. We've got Dario Agar, a.k.a. the Minotaur, um, actually sporting a uh, kind of a nice pair of breasts here. And I don't mean like man boobs. They look like, uh, there's, is there a female Minotaur? I don't know. I don't know. Um, some, some creepy mask person. We've got a couple big blue fingers, obviously like uh, frost giant fingers. On the um, uh, right-hand side of the cover, we have... Uh, the Warriors 3, we've got, of course, Fandral, Hogan, Volstagg, we've got that elf with the gun, not the Steve Gerber elf with the gun, uh, if you remember back in the 70s, there was that that weird thing, uh, we've got Sif, we've got, it looks like uh, uh, some of the Valkyries, we've got a, a, a little blue elf sort of thing, we've got Hela, uh, we've got Loki, we've got uh, um, Freya, We've got uh, the unworthy Thor himself. He's actually turned around to the camera, giving us a nice butt shot, which I'm sure has got to be on purpose. Um, I've got the other, uh, some other goddess in the background, who, and this is one whose name I'm not sure. I think this is Eden, but I'm not absolutely sure of that. We've got Heimdall. We've got Sort, our searcher, back in the background. And then, of course, we have Thor's goats uh, flying around in the, the uh, sky. And we open up to the first page of the story, and this is uh, set up in a hospital room. We have a uh, you know, shots of a uh, an IV rack and a sign it's called the infusion room. We've got uh, you know close up of chemotherapy drugs and tape and all this stuff like uh, chemotherapy machines that um, yeah kind of pump the the stuff into you, and we've got some. Uh, narration here going on from from Jane. You'd think it would burn, all that poison dripping into your veins, but instead I always feel like I'm freezing to death. For the first few hours at least, the heat comes later, bubbling up from somewhere deep inside me like a volcano erupting in my guts. I puke lava and pee red chemicals, and then stumble out into the sunlight, roasting inside and out. Tomorrow I'll be more exhausted than I've ever been in my life, 
My hands will be numb, my mouth filled with sores. I'll lie in bed trying not to puke, feeling like a stranger in my own skin, my own puffy, bald skin. And at some point during the week, my mind will start to go. Chemo brain, they call it. I'll space out and lose my train of thought. I'll forget my friends' names. I'll see the world around me through a fog. At the end of the week, I'll have realized that about the hundredth time that except for the dying part, having cancer is a piece of cake compared to getting rid of it. And then I'll have a few days of feeling all right. A few days to live life like a normal person, or at least as normal as I ever get, before I have to come back here and do this all over again. I'm Dr. Jane Foster, and believe it or not, I'm also the Mighty Thor. Though right now I'm not feeling particularly mighty. Right now I'm just trying not to die. And we get a full page here of, it's a close-up of Jane, and she's sitting in a chair with a book beside her, and it looks like salt and pepper shakers next to her on the uh, on the tray, which <laughs> I'm sure that's not what they're supposed to be. Um, but she's she's there, and she's all wrapped up in a uh, like a, a blanket, and she's got like a a shawl, you know, that, that's covering the top part of her. And we see the the machine that's doing the chemotherapy, and all of that. And then we get the splash page. When Dr. Jane Foster lifts the mystic hammer Mjolnir, she is transformed into the goddess of thunder, the mighty Thor. Her enemies are many, as Asgard descends further into chaos, and war threatens to spread throughout the Ten Realms. Yet her greatest battle will be against a far more personal foe, the cancer that is killing her mortal form. The mighty Thor in thunder in her veins. Jason Aaron was the writer. Russell Dowderman is the artist. Matthew Wilson is the colorist. Letterer in production is VC's Joe Sabino. Uh, Dowderman and Wilson did the cover. There's a bunch of variant covers, which I'm not going to talk about. Assistant editor is Chris Robinson. Editor is Will Moss. Executive editor is Tom Brevoort. Axel Alonzo is the editor-in-chief. Joe Casada is the chief creative officer. Publisher is Dan Buckley, and Alan Fine is the executive producer. Thor created by Stan Lee, Larry Lieber, and Jack Kirby. And we shift back to the hospital here, where we have the chemotherapy room, and various people are getting their, their chemotherapy drugs. And um, we're, we're continuing to get narration, but we can see that there's like a row of um, reclining chairs, like lazy boy chairs and you know, various people doing it. And sitting across from them are various people who like are coming to sit with them or take them home or whatever. You know, I'm, not, I, I'm assuming that's, that's how that works. And we get narration here. It started with a lump in my breast. That was almost a year ago. Since then, it's spreading into my lymph nodes and now maybe my liver. The doctors don't understand why none of their treatments seem to be working. But I do. I just can't tell them. And we have a, a nurse, and she comes up and says, And how are you today, Dr. Foster? Cold as Jotunheim, she says. What was that? Just a bit chilly is all. You might want to check on Mrs. Martinez. Her pulse looks a little high to me. Let us worry about the other patients, doctor. You just focus on taking care of yourself. Do you have somebody to help you home today? Yeah, a co-worker. And we shift scenes, and we see that co-worker is Volstag. <laughs> and he's, he's just sitting in a, uh, a chair out in uh, the hallway, and he's falling asleep, and he's got his hand in a bag of chips, and he's got a burger in his other hand on his belly. And it's, it's like a little comedic shot here where we need it. Then please try to relax. 
Just lie back and let the medicine do its work. I'm trying. I really am. It's the world that won't cooperate. And we have a, uh, a news broadcast on TV screen here. It's a uh, news channel, and it's called You Are Watching Rocks News, the Earth's Most Watched News Network. Next up in business headlines, the Midas Foundation faces indictment yet again, while Roxxon stock soars amidst rumors of a daring new expansion. But first, the weather. Christine? Thanks, John. This is Weather Not Christine Sohn, coming to you live from the Rocks News Storm Tracking Space Station, currently 249 miles above Eastern Europe. Looks like thunderstorms over Latveria and a nasty cold front blowing through the Balkans. But those of you in the great kingdom of Simcaria can look forward to sunny skies thanks to your government's enrollment in the Roxxon Meteorological Embetterment Program. Rocks News, where we don't just watch the weather, we make it better. So if you're watching us from Simcaria and you'd like your skies treated with cloud dispersion rockets for maximum sunlight, text 1 on your Rocks phone now. And we see there's various people in the space station, and we got the you know, the, the um, Christine girls. You know, she's like the sexy one for TV. She's, she's actually looking out into space, and you've, you've got other people kind of floating around here and you know, doing the controls and all that. And one of them is a guy who's funny and says, Germany just ordered up a hailstone for the Netherlands. Must have been quite a soccer game last night. And a woman says, Let's prime the silver iodide bombs and and woog uh, as everybody is thrown against the bulkhead or you know there's some sort of impact into the space station and things are obviously starting to go awry. Um, we have somebody saying, "What the hell was that? We've got incoming high-speed debris. It just came out of nowhere. My God, it's all around us. Get the lasers online now. What is it? Meteors or?" Arg says Christine, and we see that uh, Christine, it was, she was standing in front of some kind of window, and we see like a human figure that's just coming towards the station at high speed. They're saying, that doesn't look like a meteor. Mother of God. And it turns out it's an elf. Uh, and so this is elf floating through space. It looks like his hand, hand has been chopped off, and there's like green blood kind of floating around. And carved into the elf's chest, it says, So begins the War of Realms in English. Which doesn't make a lot of sense that it's in English, but okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess they know what they're doing, don't they? And we get a double-page spread here, gorgeously drawn. And so there's like all these elf bodies just kind of spilling through space and they're coming towards the station or passing the station it's like this big rain of, of elves and a lot of them are hitting the station and of course you know something hits a space station in space at high speed yeah it can cause a little bit of damage so uh we've got um these dead elves kind of bouncing off the station and the people inside are like they're everywhere where the hell do they come from lasers can't get them all brace for and we have elves crashing through the bulkhead. Yeah, so obviously the air is going to be escaping, and we see bits of the station flying off as the elves kind of pound into it. This is a space-based SOS. Our hull integrity has been compromised, and we're losing power. Please, send, please. And we shift back to the, uh, the, the hospital room where we have Jane Foster, and she's watching this on the TV, and the uh, the news anchor is like, 
Uh, apologies to our viewers, but it appears our weather station is experiencing some minor technical difficulties. Let's go instead to the Rocks or Beer Holographic Man Hub for the Rocks and Jocks Sports Report. And we see Jane, and she's got this really determined look on her face. She uh, says, well, maybe next time. Uh, she starts pulling the needles and things out, and she whispers the word, Mjolnir. We shift back to the satellite, and we have this sort of happening over a period of, uh, of just three panels. But we see that there are bits of the satellite. They're kind of crashing down to Earth, and we see some of the, the pieces are heating up because of reentry. We have uh, somebody still on the space station is going, Roxon Command, come in. We have lost power and are deorbiting. We need emergency evacuation. Can anybody down there hear me? Hey, it's not over yet. Scanners show something else coming this way. Fast. Those speeds can't be right. What the hell can possibly move that fast? And it turns out that it's Mjolnir. And Mjolnir, I guess, you know, Jane has called it and it's whipping down through the atmosphere uh, towards uh, where she is. And apparently it just whiz whizzes by the uh, satellite. Uh, we see it coming down into New York City. And we know it's New York City because we actually have, uh, you know, the, the uh, Empire State Building and, and kind of landmarks that re are recognizable. And the hammer lands in an alleyway. And we see that's the alleyway next to the hospital. And uh, Jane comes out of the hospital and walks up to the hammer where it's kind of smoldering there on the ground. And she reaches out for it and she says out loud, this part never gets old. And she grabs the handle and we start seeing uh, a crackling around her. And the next page is a full page uh, shot of, of Thor, girl Thor, flying out towards the uh, the space station and the caption says who knew dying could be this much fun and she just flying her way out there to save everybody on the space station uh then we get a a page here uh looks like this is a double page uh spread here and we have pieces of the space station crashing down to earth above washington dc um and we've got members of the avengers i see um Captain Marvel, and I see the Vision, Iron Man, Doctor Strange, who is not, I guess, not an Avenger. Is he an, an Avenger during this time? I honestly don't know. If somebody can tell me if Doctor Strange was an Avenger at this time, let me know. Otherwise, he's just kind of there randomly. And um, Iron Man is, is like, all right, how do we stop this? And Strange is like, we don't. Yes, Mr. President, says Iron Man. I'm aware of the station's trajectory, but I'm begging you. Tell S.H.I.E.L.D. to hold. Do not shoot it down. There are people aboard that thing. We can stop this, I promise you. Stark out. And we see um, the uh, the main part of the space station kind of hurling down. And we see Thor is holding on to it. And she is um, you know, grabbing on to it. She has grabbed onto it and she's slowing it down and slowing it down. And it kind of lands in the reflecting pool, whizzes past the Washington Monument. And it's kind of... I just kind of skipping over you know, the uh, reflecting pool. And you can see she's pulling on it to try to keep it from hitting the Lincoln Memorial. And it kind of skips like a stone over the reflecting pool. And she stops it just short of the Lincoln Memorial, like on the stairs. And she tears open the side. And uh, there are people there coming out. And, and she's like, 
Doth anyone require a doctor? And we have uh, you know, shield flying cars and, and SUVs coming from overhead, uh, seeing what's going on. Um, you know, obviously with this uh, crash, Thor is is trying to treat the uh, treat the people who are on the ship, and she, and she says is talking to the one guy and 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 she says, "Thy clavicle is fractured. Try not to move. Shield medics will be with thee shortly." Use this time to reflect on why one should never work for Roxxon. And the guy is clearly in shock. And he's, he's, he's just kind of mutters, Elves, there were elves in space. Iron Man comes up to Thor and says, Nice work, Thor. Doctor Strange says he detected some sort of magical discharge in the upper atmosphere right before the station fell. Any idea what caused it? Aye, says Thor. And she goes whipping her hammer, and she goes flying away. <laughs> and he's like, uh, okay then, nice chat. And Strange is like, tell me you didn't just ask her out again. Thor is, is flying, flying spaceward at a very, very fast rate. It's been months since the bastard pops his head up from his swamps in Svartalfheim, but I know the stench of dark elf wizardry when I smell it. Whatever it is that's happening here... One thing is for certain, Malekith the Accursed is the elf to blame. And she arrives in orbit. And of course, there are lots of dead elves floating around in her in space. Uh, one assumes that they're still falling back to Earth and, and that kind of thing. Thor is flying among them, kind of looking at them, seeing what's going on. And uh, she says, these are white elves of Alfheim, peaceful creatures, but they all bear battle wounds. I'd say most were dead before they were dumped here. So maybe it's true. Maybe my worst fears have been realized after all. If this is really the beginning of some kind of war of the realms, then it looks like the good guys are already losing. And uh, she kind of takes off and leaves the elves floating there in space. And we see her flying down into New York again. And it looks like they just copied, photocopied the, the last panel we saw. <laughs> and they kind of pasted Thor and flying down in front. I spent all morning in the hospital injecting poison into my body on purpose. Toxic chemicals designed to kill the cancer cells growing inside me. But as soon as I picked up the hammer, that was all for nothing. The transformation neutralizes the effects of the chemotherapy. It purges the poison from my body but not the cancer, because cancer is just another part of me now. And uh, she's looking at the hammer, and it, of course it has the, uh, the inscription on it, whosoever holds this hammer, if she be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. And she says, until next time, my friend. And she uh, pitches the, uh, the hammer off into space or whatever. And she says, uh, yeah, you know, the cancer, she adds on, because the cancer is just another part of her now, is a part that keeps getting bigger and is killing her a little bit more each time she changes back. So why change back at all? Believe me, I've asked myself that question many times over the last few months, but the answer is always the same. Not even the mighty Thor is a match for every challenge. If I'm going to save everyone I know and love from the specter of war... And Jane Foster has a job to do as well. And it's about time I got back to it. And she goes walking in through the door at the cancer center. And uh, Volstagg is still there. And he's still asleep. And um, yeah, people are going about their business. And um, she, she goes, uh, Volstagg, wake up. 
yes, of course I will have another slice of meat pie. And he wakes up and it's like, Jane Foster, all finished with thy leeching? Yep, I'm all good and leeched. Thou art a brave woman to endure such medical savagery. Did you know this so-called hospital is not a single ceremonial bonfire or bed of red-hot healing stones? And given the portion sizes in their food hall, I'm surprised everyone here has not succumbed to malnourishment. Thy treatment, which was successful? Wives were definitely saved. That's all that matters. Thou hast but one life, my Lady Jane. Right now that life should consist of thee resting on a bed of phoenix feathers. You know I can't do that, Senator. Not when there's work to be done. Heimdall, if you please. And the uh, portal opens up, all rainbowy. Obviously the uh, Bifrost, as they call it in this comic. And we shift to Asgardia, the city of the gods. Every time I return here, it saddens my heart a little more. I did not think I would ever say that about the realm eternal, but alas, Asgard is not what it once was, says Volstagg. It used to be filled with such songs as only the gods can sing, and now... And now the gods live in fear of the greatest enemy Asgard has ever known, its own All-Father. And, yeah, they're walking through, like, a uh, an alleyway in Asgard, and there's all these posters... Just a, a thousand of these posters, and they, they, it's a wanted poster for the false Thor, thief, wanted by order of the Allfather for crimes against Asgard, dead or alive. And we are in a kind of a long shot of the entire scene, and we see the destroyer in the foreground, and Volstagg is saying, Best not say such things aloud, dearest Jane. Even though he never leaves his castle, Odin is always listening. You're wrong, my friend. Listening is something Odin hasn't done in a very long time. Come on, we better get to work while we still have jobs. And they head off to the Congress of the Worlds, and it's like this big globe building, and we see the, I don't know if it's the world tree, but a large, large tree in the background. And a big room that kind of reminds me of the Galactic Senate, a very Star Warsian look uh, from like Star Wars episode number three. All the senators floating around on these discs, though there are very many fewer of them than there are were in uh, the, the Galactic Senate. And we have, um, you know, each of these discs has its own name on it. We have Svartalfheim and Vanaheim and Asgardia and Niflheim and Alfheim, etc., etc. And uh, and there are indeed ten of these uh, disc things. Senator from Alfheim is uh, saying. Tell me, my fellow senators, is this a Congress of Worlds I see before me, or a confederation of cowards? Outrageous! How dare you, sir! Svartalfheim defies the ancient treaties between our lands, and yet this Congress does nothing. And we see that the, this is like these uh, the Alfheim uh, people, and they've got the like frilly collars and lace, lace uh, ruffles around their sleeves, and that kind of thing. Malekith and his dark elf butchers are staging nightly raids into Alfheim for the sole purpose of murdering my fellow light elves. If the Congress of Worlds will not intervene immediately to stop these atrocities, then it has forsaken everything for which it has meant to stand, and I, for one, am ashamed to call myself a part of it. And we catch a glimpse of the uh, Svartalfheim elves, you know, the delegates, and, and they're just sitting there smirking in their, uh, in their capsule. 
As usual, the only atrocities we have witnessed here today are the ones that have spewed from the mouth of Senator Milkmane. How many times must we, the esteemed senators of Svartalfheim, refute these outrageous lies about our countrymen and king? Where we come from, one does not dare levy such inflammatory charges unless they are prepared to defend them. I ask again, Brother Elf, where is your proof? And the uh, dwarf delegate uh, says, Humph! Anyone needs proof that Dark Elves are murderers. They haven't been paying much attention the last few centuries. And we have the uh, the Niflheim, or the Muspelheim delegates are these sort of uh, weird fire spirits and uh, <laughs> they're kind of jumping around in their little uh, thing here. Burn the elves! When she comes, the Queen of Cinders will burn them all! And then we have, uh, oh, I guess this is the Tenth Realm here, the, the, uh, these winged people uh, who look like, like angels, I guess. If the senator cannot prove his claims, then he should apologize at once to the... You want proof that white elves are dying? I've seen the proof. I've seen it falling from the sky like rain, says Jane. Today the skies above Midgard were filled with the bodies of dead elves, hundreds of them, all bearing the wounds of war. If all Father Odin in his infinite wisdom had not ordered Asgardia withdrawn further from the earth, you could have gazed out of this sphere and seen the carnage for yourself. Senator Milkmaid is right. This Congress must act now, or... And you have seen these bodies and will swear to such, Senator Foster? You have seen them with your own eyes? And this is the, um... I guess it looks like the Vanaheim uh, uh, delegate here. It's very, very Indian-looking. Uh, it's got It's got, like, the... Indian nose piercing and kind of a strange, uh, looks very uh, dusty kind of uh, style uh, to, to the uh, clothes and things. Well, no, not exactly. But Thor did. She told me so herself. She buried them on the moon, but I'm sure she can. Thor, how dare you speak this name in this chamber? You will bring down the wrath of the All-Father on all of us. And uh, the Svartalfheim uh, delegate is like, Elves falling from the sky? Though our hearts go out to the good Senator Foster as she continues to battle so bravely for her life, I'm afraid the poor woman's brain is clearly addled with disease. If elves are at war, let elves be the ones to decide it. This is no matter for the Congress. Odin is the real enemy here. How long before he throws us all in a cell just like his... Why aren't we talking about the giants? What if the rumors from Jotunheim are true? And we cut to um, cut to uh, Volstagg and, and Jane sitting there. Our fellow senators believe if they talk incessantly, no one will notice how frightened they are. Where have I seen that before? The Congress of Worlds will not save Alfheim, my lady Jane. I fear this Congress cannot even save itself. And then we shift scenes, and is Jane Foster, and she is in the prison of Asgardia. And these uh, like deep dark hallways, and there there's guards and things down here that very uh, very moodily illustrated. Really nice job here. And uh, she's standing in front of the cell where uh, Freya is being kept. The other light is only coming from within the cell, and all the rest is all dark all around. And she's talking to uh, to uh, Freya. It started just like you feared. Malekith has invaded Alfheim. The elves are at war. If it's war, it will not stop with the elves, says Freya. What say the Congress? As usual, they say a lot, but they do nothing. They're more afraid of Odin. They figure if he'll throw his own wife in jail for treason, what hope do they have? They're not wrong in that regard. 
Is my blessed husband still holed up in his castle, hiding behind the destroyer? We haven't seen the All-Father in months. No one has. Yet you still petitioned him every day for my release, do you not? You should stop. I do not imagine my husband would be so cruel as to arrest someone in your condition, but then I never imagined he would arrest me either. Say the word, Lady Freya, and you will be free, you know that. Sif has a band of warriors standing by. Thor would be among them, I know she would. And what of the other Thor? What of my son? I'm sorry, All-Mother, but there is still no word. Hogan and Fandral have searched the galaxy far and wide, but wherever he's gone, the Prince of Asgard does not wish to be found. All-Mother, please, let us get you out of here. There is already war abroad. I will not be responsible for starting one here. My husband's day of reckoning will come, but not yet. Tell Thor, though Asgard may be wounded, it's the elves who are dying. Her duty lies in Alfheim. And they kind of do a little kind of like a hand grasp through the bars. Now please, my lady Jane, get thee to a bed. You've done too much already. You need your rest. And Jane goes a staggering off and down through the same uh, alleyways with all the false Thor thief posters. And she gets a kind of a determined look in her eye. And she says, The flesh may be weak, but the thunder is strong. And she rips one of the posters off the wall. And then we see some lightning crackling down into Asgard. And uh, we shift to outside. And uh, we're at the uh, the edge of the Rainbow Bridge. And we have Heimdall here. Again, you know, very much like the movie. They've kind of re have retooled the whole Rainbow Bridge thing into sort of the, the Bifrost, as, as they say in the movie. And uh, Thor arrives here. Girl Thor arrives here uh, to Heimdall. And he says... You should have not come here. You should not have come here. I have the need of the Bufrost. I'm afraid I must say thee nay. I serve only the will of the All-Father. The All-Father has gone mad. You are not the first Thor to stand before me and say such things. I will tell you what I told the other. Your words do not change my oath. Your eyes see all, noble Heimdall, so you know what is happening in Alfheim. Aye, elves are dying. Then you see why I must go there. I see why you feel that you must. And yet, you still plan on stopping me? No, my lady. They do. And we see coming out of the gate, we have a bunch of guards, and they are led by Cole Borson. Yeah, they, they've all got these uh, big old sledgehammer, meat tenderizer hammer looking thing. They, they do look pretty much exactly like a meat tenderizer hammer. And... Um, they're wearing armor very much like the uh, the Thor Volume 3 armor you know, with all the little squares and stuff on it. And they come out and uh, Cole is saying, At last! I knew you would show your face here sooner or later, you thieving wench. As Minister of Justice, I, Cool Borson, do hereby charge you with unholy crimes against the realm eternal. Thunderguard, arrest her and do not be gentle about it. And, uh, yeah, Thor, Thor is, is looking at him all determined-like. And we shift scenes to a place called the Yawning Void. And it's a sort of a floating floating rock in the middle of nowhere and a very slight glow. And that glow is coming from Malekith. And we see the Malekith is here along with Dario Agar and some Roxxon guard people and some other people who are there kind of hiding in the shadows, and we'll find out who they are in just a moment, though it's kind of obvious who they are. As we speak, 
It has begun, as I promised. As we speak, the elves of Alfheim are bleeding and burning. Parents are burying their children. Infants cry for mothers who will never come. Shall we drink a toast, my friends, to the pleasures of war? Pardon me if I'm not in the mood, says Dario Agar, but I don't take much pleasure from the losses I've suffered today. Namely, two hundred billion dollars worth of losses. Your little stunt with the falling elves destroyed my weather satellite, Malekith. I don't remember that being part of the plan. And how much oil did your rocks on wells pump out of Svartalfheim today, Dario Agar? How many precious resources will you plunder from Alfheim once we've conquered it? Enough to buy yourself an entire fleet of shiny metal space chariots. Dumping hundreds of bodies into the skies of another realm was bound to result in some collateral damage. But we all agreed it was a necessary step. Thor will come to us now. The question before us today is how would this council like to greet her? I offer forth a possible answer. One has come before us today seeking admittance to our dark council. I believe you are all familiar with his resume, and we see now the um, uh, these shadowy figures close up, and it is, of course, Ulick. You could kind of tell from his, his, from his uh, profile earlier. Ulick, king of the trolls. What say you? <laughs> sure. If we're lucky, they'll kill each other. And what of our new friends from Muspelheim? And we have a, some more of those uh, fiery demon things that are kind of just burning, and they're very kind of chaotic looking. All gods will burn when the king of cinders rises from her throne of fire. I'll take that as a maybe. And what about the king of the giants? Your vote carries more weight than others for obvious reasons. And we see a uh, silhouetted uh, form with glowing eyes. And uh, it says, Lofi says nay. This one cannot be trusted. Very true. But what if we were considered this a trial of sorts? If Loki wishes to join the Dark Council, all he must do is murder Thor. What say you to that, God of Lies? And uh, Loki, of course, stands revealed as wanting to join the uh, the evil circle. And I don't know what the hell is going on with his face here. Uh, it's like he's trying to grow a beard, but it's it's he's, they took like some pocket lint and taped it to his, his face, and it looks really horrible. Anyway, and uh, Loki says, I say it feels good to be bad again. To be continued, and that is the Mighty Thor number one. And, of course, we will have a few things to say about that right after this message. The Lonely Hearts Romance Comics Podcast, in which four guys talk about romance comics and about romances in comics with Siskoid. We're all uh, French Canadians here. Marty! In horror comics, there's often like this little, you know, <laughs> romance tinge, I guess. Okay. Bass! <laughs> we oh, just yeah. turned on him! <laughs> and yours truly, Fern. I'm very aroused. Featuring the overproduced wonder that is Romance Comics Theater every episode. Dan. I knew it couldn't last from the first day you eyeballed me when I reported to work. It wouldn't matter if I washed in laundry soap and came to work in a burlap sack. I'd turn you on. And you have the same effect on me. I... I do? The Lonely Hearts Romance Comics Podcast, available at lonelyheartspodcast.wordpress.com and on iTunes. We've had a comic book romance. 
And we're back. And of course, we do have a few things to say about the issue. Okay, so it is a continuation on from where the last Thor series left off. Uh, we last covered that, like I said, back in the later part of 2015, um, right before I went on my trip. And we actually do have a little bit of a continuation of the plot going on here. We find that Odin has remained sort of acting in his evil way. I have my own theories about why Odin is acting this way, like I've said. But uh, they've just kind of carried on doing the same thing. Nothing much has changed since the last time we visited Girl Thor. And, uh, you know, once again, we have this tendency of Jason Aaron to carry on a plot beyond the point at which it's, it's interesting. Now, considering that this is the first issue of a new series, we're still dealing with Malekith and Dario Agar. Still. This should have ended a year ago. This, you know, the, the, it was an interesting idea. It's now gone on for officially too long. And, and, you know, as far as I know, it's still going on in the comic. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it's uh, just kind of a, okay, well, where is everybody now? It's been a few months since the last issue. Now what's going on in, in the Thor universe? Where have things gone? So we're just basically getting reestablished and finding that, you know, things have just kind of continued on the same path that they would have at the end of the last Thor series. So again, uh, not a lot of character development or anything like that. Now we do have the sort of reveal on the end. We have Loki joining the evil people. What the hell is going on with Loki's face? I mentioned it already, but... God, that looks like shit. I mean, okay, I like Russell Dowderman's artwork. He does this this finely detailed art. Most of the time, he does a really nice job. His characters look really good. Um, they're very consistent from one panel to the next. They, you know, he's got some nice design ideas. He's got an aesthetic that I like. Okay, but this sort of lint pasted onto Loki's face look, it just is horrible. I've never seen a real person that had that sort of horrible sort of random pubic hair type beard going on before. <laughs> so I don't know what he's trying to do here, but uh, yeah, by and large, uh, the story's okay. The art is pretty good for the most part, except for this, uh, this shit on Loki's face, which uh, looks really horrible. But um, yeah, by and large, though, I, I do like I do like uh, Dowderman's art, and I, I like the fact that they you know they kind of throw a few bones to the to the cinematic viewers, but we also have a continuity of the comics as well. We've got Loki and his staff, which is not something that, you know Loki and a staff is not really something we had before the uh, before the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And even though it's obviously not the same staff, it seems to be, okay, well, people are going to be familiar with Loki with the staff. And they are actually making a, an attempt here to have Loki be, rather than the, uh, the, the child Loki that we've seen, um, the sort of teenage Loki, we sort of have him looking more, more of an adult here. Um, so, yeah, so maybe, maybe the, the face pubes is more you know, trying to, trying to tell us that he's now an adult. But I think that you could have accomplished the same thing without that. And it would have looked a lot better. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So that is it for uh, the Mighty Thor number one. And of course, uh, if you want to email the show, you can do so. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Just post uh, to the Radio Free Asgard Facebook group. Uh, and uh, start the conversation there because it's been a little quiet lately. So, you know, tell, tell us what you think. And if you want to tell us what you think of the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, 
yeah, well, you can do that too. Uh, just uh, you know, like I said, uh, for the first few weeks, let's not uh, let's not give any spoilers out. Okay. All right, and with that, it is time to go back across the Rainbow Bridge back to Midgard, and we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard. <laughs>